everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Lombardi Time Brews. Well, a little intro to it anyway. Uh, what you're going to hear on today's episode, I'm going to make no bones about it. The audio is really bad. I tried doing some tweaks uh, in pre, pre-recording today, and it worked really well, and I was really happy with it. And then if you're going to continue on with this video, you're going to hear that it went sideways fast. Um, the audio quality is not one that I'm happy with at all, but nonetheless, today, this is the content of today, and I did at least want to get it out there. Um, so if you're willing to listen through it, uh, live with the ups and downs, as you can hear post-editing, I've already got this fixed for tomorrow. Uh, just this is the joys of being a new channel and diving into this world new. So uh, feel free, please, still listen to the episode. There is still some really good content in there. I know it's going to be very frustrating to turn your audio dial up and down, and it may get very frustrating. I am very sorry for that. It will be fixed for tomorrow, uh, but today, please, please take my sincere apology for a very messed up audio on this mailbag day. If you choose not to go on with the video, I 100% get it. I will be back tomorrow with our preview for the Packers versus Bucks. Have a great day. Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews. I am your host, John Dowry. Back after a day off yesterday where I was working on a bunch of projects. So today, let's dive right in. First up, hit that like, subscribe, share button. Hit all the buttons and get this video out there or this audio podcast so we can keep on building a bigger community at Lombardi Time Brews. Also check out our brand new Facebook page. I've been starting to put stats, injury updates, quotes uh, up on there. Some information that I think you're going to find really intriguing without ever being clickbait, which I see liked and shared a lot on Facebook. And I think we all do. I'm going to try as hard as I possibly can to always be forthcoming in the posts, always give context, always give full quotes, not little bits. Um, so please check it out. Join the community, uh, like that page, like, share, subscribe, this video or audio podcast, and join in the fun. So we've got a number of things to talk about today. Today is our mailbag, which means I took in a bunch of questions. I've got eight of them that I'm going to be answering here later today. But number one, we got some transactions to talk about, and they are incredibly minor. Very bottom of the roster practice squad transactions, and it's, it's only one. And it may only be temporary, but Travis Fulcom has been signed back to the practice squad, while safety Mike Brown has been released off of the practice squad. You know, there were a lot of receivers not practicing today. I don't wonder if Fulcom was brought back in as like a camp body. Um, ultimately, we don't know. Maybe they really do want him on the practice squad. 
Maybe he was convenient because he was still in town and they needed someone to go catch and practice today. Partly because today absent from practice was Cobb, Lazard, Watkins, and Watson. All DNPs on today, today being Thursday. No practice for any of those four wide receivers. Three of them are new. Lazard, Watkins, Watson, all of them new non-practices. Randall Cobb did not practice yesterday as well. So you have to wonder, what is the game status for these gentlemen actually going to be? Lazard, I'd be very hard-pressed to believe that he's not going to play, considering that he did last week. Cobb, I don't necessarily like the prospects of missing two days of practice in a row. However, with him being a long-term veteran, there is a possibility that he could just be good to go on Sunday. And then Watson and Watkins, very little has been said about their injury at all, given that they're brand new. Uh, we will see and hopefully have more information tomorrow during our Bucks packers preview show. One person who did practice today was left tackle extraordinaire, he of the rebuilt knee, David Bakhtiari. We're going to get into Bakhtiari in just a minute. But first, one other transactional note for you, and that is Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, the edge rusher who's been with the Giants, been with the Bucks, was a free agent who I've talked about a few different times. But if the Packers were looking for someone to beef up their edge depth, uh, we're looking for someone with a veteran pedigree, much like Whitney Merciless last year, that Jason Pierre-Paul would make a lot of sense to fit that mold. Not anymore. He just signed today with Baltimore. A one-year contract worth $5.5 million was the number that I last saw right before hopping on here. We may get more details about that number, whether it's accurate or not. But regardless, Jason Pierre-Paul, no longer an option for the Packers, as he is now going to be a edge specialist for the Baltimore Ravens. Takes him out of the picture. So... Let's dive into a couple questions, and then I do have some thoughts about David Bakhtiari that maybe I'll throw in the middle of the questions uh, just to help break it up a little bit. But the first question that I got, and I did not, I'm sorry, I didn't attribute these questions to anyone for this week's mailbag. I just kind of wrote them down as I got them. Um, very, very uh, just cursory angle here for questions. But number one, on the current team, who do you feel is an overrated player? and an underrated player. So I'm going to have to steal. I saw this question and one clip immediately came into my head. If you're at all familiar with Gary Vee on TikTok or YouTube or any of the places that he is, because he's freaking everywhere from VaynerMedia, Gary Vaynerchuk, he has a special on uh, Facebook Shorts and TikTok and everything called Overrated, Underrated with me, Gary Vee. I'm stealing it. Overrated, Underrated with me, Johnny D. So let's talk an overrated player, and then someone who's underrated on the roster. I'm going to start with the underrated. This is someone who's been very good for a very long time, and yet I just don't think gets the love from Packer fans that they probably should, given their place in history. Remember, these are people on the current team only. And I got to say, Aaron Jones. I mean... Throw out the last two weeks alone. Let's just go over the rest of his career from last season and farther back. Aaron Jones is beginning to really ascend high into the record books of the Green Bay Packers, which for 100-year franchises, I mean, that means you're doing something right. 
But Aaron Jones now fourth on the all-time rushing list. Touchdowns, I know he's in the top ten now. And not only that, but the character that he carries himself with. How often he is out in the community. Really, really impressive from not just a football player, but he the man. Totally belongs in Green Bay. In my opinion, is very underrated in terms of the big picture of Packer history. Of course he's an important part of the team this year. We know that. But Aaron Jones needs to be starting looked at, not just as a great player this year, not just as a great player last couple, but as one of the all-time great Packer running backs. Yeah, one of the all-time greats. He's inching closer and closer and closer. Not for an overrated player, and it, it, it kind of hurts to say, but I think we're seeing enough time now where there's going to be some legitimacy to it. i, I got to say, as of right now, Robert Tunyon. You know, everyone looked at Tunyon a couple of years ago as like the next coming of tight end greatness in Green Bay. We finally have a guy. He's a red zone threat. He catches everything. Over 10 touchdowns two years ago. And then last year, we get into the year where we're all kind of secretly hoping that it's not, that it wasn't a fluke year, that he's really good to go. But then we get into last year, and I know they were using him schematically different to help make up for the tackle injuries. But still, his production in the passing game has fallen and fallen and fallen. And you want to look at it last year and say, ah, it was, you know, it was an anomaly. His, his one good year where he really took over, had double-digit touchdowns, that's the real Robert Tunyon now. And last year they were just scheming it up. But I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I think he is an ultra-reliable tight end. I do. I think he's come a long way as a blocker. I think he has remarkably short hands. And Rodgers trusts him. But are we any longer going to bank on him to be one of the stars of this offense? One of the leading receivers? Someone who should be talked about with Pro Bowl contention as a tight end for the Packers? I don't know as if we can say that anymore. We're looking at the two weeks of this season and what we did see last season before he suffered his injury. It's getting to be enough games in a row where which one is the real Robert Tunyon? On the front side of his great season and now on the back side, there's kind of enough games to say maybe this is who he is and the 10-plus touchdowns is a little bit of an anomaly. This is nothing against him, and I could be 100% wrong. But if I'm asked to take someone who's upheld in the fans' eyes as someone who's overrated, it's really starting to be Tanya. So, next question is, two weeks in, how do you feel Rich Bisaccia is handling special teams? Good. <laughs> to be super... Concise. I think he's doing his job. I think last year we looked at special teams that were historically bad. I mean, the last few years the Packers special teams have been historically bad. There wasn't a whole lot more down to go than what we had seen. But Bisaccia seems to be bringing with him 
And he even spoke about this. You know, special teams have been around a long time. There's not a ton philosophically that you're going to do different. But what you can change is mentality. And Matt LaFleur even spoke this week about how they really seem to be getting there with the special teams mentality, especially with the Gunners. Rudy Ford, uh, Dallin Levitt. There's one clip especially from the Bears game where Dallin Levitt, just, I mean, he is a man on a mission to bring down the Bears' return. Constantly pushing blockers, gunning through. And that's what you want. But the thing is, that's what hasn't been present in Green Bay for a few years. We've had really athletic gunners, but we didn't have the drive to push the relentless pursuit paired with appropriate aggression at the point of the tackle. Ford and Levin offer you that. There's a downside, though, and this is a much bigger picture problem, but there's a downside in that two of your gunners happen to be two of your safety depth, and we've seen the safety depth is a little, little shaky, partly because they've got all these special teams aces as their backs up at safety. Even if Ford can't contribute at safety like he did in Jacksonville at times. But I think what Rich Visaccio is doing most, to get back to the point, is bringing in that mentality. That special teams is a very definitive part of the team. No longer to be pushed to the side. I think Lafleur is emphasizing it more, significantly more in practice. And I think it's beginning to work. Is it going to be immediate? Nope, never was. But it's progress. That's all we can ask for. So, next question. How do we stop Tampa Bay even if they don't have all of their top wide receivers? Well, and, you know, even if they don't have it, well, yeah, of course that makes it easier, right? I mean, Mike Evans is out. Julio Jones is probably going to be out, as is Chris Godwin probably going to be out. So who does that leave Tampa Bay with? It leads him with Scotty Miller. Very, very sad name from years past. Scotty Miller, Rashard Perriman. I mean, these are not the same thing. Russell Gage is going to be their number one. Now, when you take Russell Gage as your number one versus Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, there is a class difference there for sure. And that's not to, not to say anything bad about Gage. It's just... Godwin Evans and Julio Jones are of a certain tier that Russell Gage has never gotten to. Pair that with Richard Perriman, who's kind of been a journeyman for a few years, but had really explosive traits earlier in his career. He's just bounced around, had some injury problems, continued to bounce, but still in the league, obviously. And then Scotty Miller, who's the speed guy, who we know all too well is a speed guy. So, they don't have their top wide receiver. How does Green Bay go about truly stopping Tampa? How do they take advantage of these lack of receivers? And to me, it's all about two things. One, outright aggression in the trenches. Take away the run and take it away hard. Leonard Fournette has amassed fine yardage totals over the first two weeks of the season, but he has yet to find the end zone. He has not had that game-breaking type of game that we've actually seen from him in the past in Tampa Bay. So shut him down. Occupy the lanes. Almost do the opposite of what you did in the second half against the Bears. 
Second half against the Bears, I talked about it earlier this week, they backed everybody off. They said to the Bears, all right, yeah, we're up by 16. Run. What you going to do? We're going to let you take eight yards every time because it's going to take you forever to work your way down the field. But we're going to give you eight yards. Do the opposite here. Claude the lanes attack for now. Be ultra aggressive on the line of scrimmage. Tampa Bay has all of these wide receiver injuries. That does nothing to speak of all of the injuries on their offensive line. Left tackle, center. Uh, there's another one that I'm even not even coming to mind with right now. Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith should be salivating. Hell, throw Jerron Reed and Dean Lowry on there too. Attack the line. Well, okay, and then the easy counter as well. If you're going to attack the line, if you're going to sell out, get to the run, then Tom Brady is going to be death by a thousand paper cuts. He's done it to the Packers before. He's done it to every team in the NFL. That's what he does. If you can get him to play in rhythm, short, quick passes, it's lethal. But the key to beating Tom Brady, as has been the case for over a decade, Tom Brady is fantastic against the blitz. He is not fantastic against pressure. And that's how you get to him. We don't have to worry about Tom Brady being poor against the Blitz because the Packers haven't blitzed yet this year. I'm not kidding. They really haven't. They're just relying on their pass rushers to get home, and it's working. Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary. It's working. Those guys are getting home without needing to dial up Blitzes. Keep doing that. Against the depth of this offensive line, be ultra-aggressive in the trenches. And I'm not saying blitz, but I'm saying be aggressive. Fill the lanes. Get home. Brackets. Rattle Tom Brady to the point where even the quick passes to guys that he's not as familiar with as Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are tougher to complete. Overwhelm this offense. I almost want to see it like Jordan Love against Kansas City last year. Without the Packers going over the top with engage eight blitzes like it's Madden, like the Chiefs did. But that overall sense of just constant swarming the line, never letting Brady get comfortable. That, that is how you beat this version of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Something the Packers should be very well primed to do. Moving on to the next question, a memorabilia question. And I'll, uh, I'll try to post pictures right here of all of the bobbleheads that I'm going to be talking about quickly. But I was asked, favorite bobblehead in your personal collection? Well, and you can't, uh, you're not supposed to pick a favorite kid, right? So I, I actually went with my top four and then a line of bobbleheads that are actually my favorite. And number one is the Leroy Butler Lambo Leap bobblehead. Uh, keep in mind, one through four is not ranked in any particular order. He's not my absolute favorite, but he's in my top tier of favorite bobbleheads. And I got to tell you, it's really cool. You've got the little people off to the side. Butler is there. Uh, I love the words that are printed on this bobblehead. You'll see the picture of mine is actually signed. Um, really, really cool bobblehead. As you may notice, I love personalization in bobbleheads, which takes me into number two. Aaron Jones. Showtime. 
This was a bobblehead that was worked on between Foco and Aaron Jones personally to get all of the details of the bobblehead right and personal for Aaron Jones. Down to the necklace that he wears for his father, the glasses, um, just all of the little details made me absolutely fall in love with this bobblehead. One of my absolute favorites. Next, the Bart Star Ring bobblehead. Put out by the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame a few years ago, along with a few other Bart Star bobbleheads. This one is by far my favorite of the collection. This bobblehead, to me, just exudes class. I mean, it's, it's one of the larger Bart Star bobbleheads I've ever seen, obviously, minus the three-footers. Um, but it just has an, a championship air about it, I guess I would say. Very, very fitting for Bart Star. Next, the Aaron Rodgers Randall Cobb Hail Mary Dual Bobblehead. One of my absolute favorites, partly because, you, you know, there's a bunch of these dual bobbleheads out there, but, I don't know, they just don't seem happy. <laughs> like, they're throwing a Hail Mary to win the game, and Aaron Rodgers' face is... It's just, it, 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 it just doesn't work. The Randall Cobb Aaron Rodgers one, this one looks like it was made in in the realm of fun. Rodgers is smiling. Cobb is smiling. The little pylon bobbles, for crying out loud. Like, it's just, it's a very fun bobblehead. One that you can uh, certainly cherish if you get your hands on, too. For one of the all-time great relationships between quarterback and receiver in Packer history. And then last, I'm going to talk about the Jersey Showcase bobbleheads. I love these bobbleheads. I think these are sophistication in bobbleheads. Uh, just beautifully well done to see the little jersey folded in the back behind the showcase behind the, the statue of the player uh, three of them are still available at the Packers Pro Shop that would be Bart Starr, Ray Nitschke, Reggie White uh, also having has been produced would be Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers um, I just I these are very elegant bobbleheads when I very first saw the first one first one I ever saw was a few years ago and it was when they did Walter Payton Obviously, another very fitting recipient of this type of bobblehead. Um, great, great bobblehead. Uh, my favorite line of bobbleheads that I've seen in a very long time. All right, before I answer the last question of the day, that's right, the last question, make sure you hit share, like, subscribe, and check out tomorrow's video. Tomorrow, I'm going to be going through the Packers versus Buccaneers matchup, recapping the Bucks off talking more about the matchups, the X-Factors, who to watch, what to watch, etc., etc., all going to be coming in tomorrow's video. Everything you need to get ready for Sunday's matchup in Tampa Bay. By the way, one little nugget I'm going to talk about tomorrow, it's due to be like 88 degrees in Tampa on Sunday. I'm from Wisconsin. We are hardy people. I don't want 88 degrees. Mm-mm. Mm -mm. Right, if I played for the Packers, I'd be, I'd be looking into my work-from-home options as an employee. But yeah, 88 degrees. We're going to talk about that a bunch more tomorrow, as well as a bunch of the trends of the game, such as some of Aaron Rodgers' difficulties in the state of Florida. We're going to be talking through all of that kind of detail tomorrow. So, last question. Most difficult matchup left on the schedule. And there's a few. The schedule's, it's not the easiest for Green Bay this year. 
But there's one game that really stands out, and I don't know as if it's the single most difficult matchup left on the schedule, but it certainly is the one that I'm most intrigued by two weeks into the season. And that would be the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts is looking down right like an MVP candidate for two weeks. I think a lot of what the Eagles does matches up very well against Green Bay. I think it's a very good match. Obviously, Buffalo is going to be a very difficult game coming up. New England's always tough no matter what. Even if they suck this year, it's still a tough matchup. But the one, again, I don't know if I'd say most difficult, that's by Buffalo. But the one that I'm most intrigued by is Philly. I'm really excited. Can the Packers actually contain a running quarterback? Justin Fields don't count. He's barely even a quarterback. But Jalen Hurts, can they contain a real running quarterback? Can they contain all the running backs of Philly? I'm not so much worried about A.J. Brown, but maybe I should be after Justin Jefferson. But we'll see. Thanks for joining me on today's video. Please hit like, share, subscribe, and spread this around so we can build a bigger and bigger community for Lombardi Time Brews. Like our Facebook page for all the latest updates, and I will be back tomorrow with the Packers versus Buccaneers preview show. Thank you, and as always,